All right, ladies and gentlemen, folks, thank you for being here with us. We are on air, 96.3 Ohm FM, Charleston's community-powered, community-centric, community-supported radio station. We're super lucky to have them. I'm sitting in the studio right now with a couple of folks who are going to bring you a real auditory treat. They're going to share with you a little bit of what they do here in town. They're running an, an incredibly important organization, uh, entrepreneurial endeavor, uh, artistic troupe. There's a lot of things you could call these guys and what they do, um, but they are at the helm of something that's incredibly important uh, to you, I'm sure, whether or not you know it yet, but you sure will understand what they do by the end of this hour. Again, this is Steve Fletcher. I'm your host of Small Talks, Big Ideas with Steve we are an hour-long program. Every couple of weeks, we come at you from Low Country Local First, which is a 15-year-old local economic development nonprofit based right here in the Low Country of South Carolina. We're all about advocating for, supporting, um, equipping with the necessary tools, local independent businesses and business owners. We've got about 500 local business members here in the Low Country, one of whom is the Footlight Players at the Queen Street Playhouse. I've got Kyle Barnett, who's the artistic director, and Brian Porter, who's the executive director of the uh, Queen Street Playhouse, uh, or the Footlight Players. I'm not even entirely sure. We're going to all learn together this afternoon, folks. Again, we're coming at you live from 96.3 Ohm FM. Make sure you support Ohm FM and all of the independent creators in your personal ecosystem. Without much more ado, I want the gentlemen themselves to introduce themselves for you, tell you a little bit about who they are, what they do, what gets them up in the morning, and then we'll start digging into uh, Queen Street Playhouse, Footlight Players, and all that great stuff. Kyle, you're up first. All tell right. the good people I out there you. what you're all about, who you are, and uh, fill in all of the many cracks I left with your uh, biography and introduction. <laughs> Uh, well, like you said, I am the artistic director at uh, Footlight Players, cool. and uh, I have been there officially for about six months, uh, but I've been working for the theater for the past four years. But okay. officially, now I am a full-time employee as the artistic director. So this title is kind of brand new for you. That's, for that's this, cool. For this theater, yes. Cool. It's very exciting. And uh, my job basically is to oversee the artistic mission and vision of the theater we do a full season of shows uh, on our main stage at the queen street playhouse so we are the footlight players theater company and we're in residence in the building called the queen street playhouse i see yeah. you just summed it up for me and i'm sure you uh you just smoothed out a lot of wrinkled furrowed brows out there in the <laughs> soundscape as well Hopefully, so okay yeah. that makes sense so queen queen street playhouse is the venue right they've been around for how many years here in charleston roughly oh goodness the, well look the footlight players has been there uh, since our 91st season so oh wow so, since the 30s yeah wow so the, the wow okay the so building's the, over 200 years the old the building itself yeah. is over 200 years old and mm -hmm. presumably there have been productions and plays and theatrical performances happening ever since then ever since opening 200 years ago yeah i would think so okay and then almost for a century the footlight players a theatrical troupe that performs many different productions mm -hmm. over the course of any given year has been in residency at the Queen Street Playhouse. Yes. Okay, cool. And so you are the artistic director, all things artistic. You're helping make sort of creative choices right. uh, throughout the season. Right. So uh, I oversee the the auditions, the hiring of actors, directors, uh, okay. overseeing um, all of the production elements of the shows cool. that we put up and making sure that it's got a steady and consistent message and vision. Very cool. And it's, it's really about messaging as well and making sure that we are always doing a top quality product as any business wants to put out there. Love it, love it, love it. I'm sure a lot of folks listening in can relate to that. Uh, Want to switch gears here for a quick second. Brian Porter, executive director. Uh, what does that mean? Executive director of the Queen Street Playhouse, of the Footlight Players, of a little bit of both. What do you do on any given day and what are the most important parts of your role? All right. So um, as executive director, I'm actually technically the executive director of Footlight Players Incorporated. So as a nonprofit, we're incorporated. And so that is the Got company it. that those that's the name on the checks. OK, sure. <laughs> that pays everybody. <laughs> The Queen Important. Street, yeah, the Queen Street Playhouse renaming of the venue. When I came on, we decided as the board and I decided, since we own, we're the only company that owns our own building, theater company. In, so, in South Carolina? 
Uh, probably not in all of South Carolina, but definitely in Charles. Okay. Yeah. And so that afforded us the opportunity to, to house a lot of artists, to do a lot of different things, to, you know, show movies, have dance groups in there, have, you know, a comedy, we did a poetry series, have, you know, a music series, a comedy series, all this sort of stuff we could do. So very cool. So you like a manage a venue basically. Yeah, basically. So yeah. So we decided to rename the building Queen Street Playhouse so that Footlight has its own identity and that if anything else is in there, it's like, oh, well. You know, Dance Effects is at Queen Street Play. Got it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Cool. So my job basically is to oversee the entire company. Financially, um, is probably the most important job I have is to make sure the budgets are done and make sure we are meeting um, all of our goals, sales goals, all of that sort of stuff. So Brian, let's start with you for a second since this, after all, is a program that is generally directed at our audience of local business leaders. These are folks who are financially minded um, and they're trying to, you know, keep solvent and exciting and stable and employed their businesses, um, all different sizes, all different types of businesses. This is, you know, multi genre, uh, multi uh, industry. Uh, but I'm sure there's a thing or two that's certainly relatable across, you know, industrial fields and verticals. So I'd love for you to share with. Uh, the CEOs, the C-suite, the founders, the entrepreneurs who are out there, whether it's a team of one or a thousand, and we have both within our membership, um, sort of how you ended up where you ended up. Do you have a business background? This is understanding that certainly you're touching kind of, uh, you know, nonprofit uh, management as well as business management for like players being a 501c3. Correct. Um, but, the, but the venue, uh, you know, having to adhere to all of the best practices of business management, right? You're trying to make some money, presumably renting out a space and, and any organization who's looking for a brick and mortar space right in a kind of prime location in downtown Charleston, the historic district, would be interested in renting that space, presumably. You also got to get people in and out the door. So I always say, as a non, you know, somebody who works at a nonprofit, there's a lot of overlap between best practices of nonprofit management, business management. In any case, all that's to say... I'm curious to know how you wound up in that seat as the executive director, right? The, 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 the man who's kind of helming it all at uh, Queen Street Playhouse and the Footlight Players. I mean, what's, what's your background and, and what makes you sort of tick? What gets you up in the morning when it comes to, you know, getting into the nitty gritty management of the enterprise? Sure. Yeah. So um, my background has is, is always been in theater. So I went to college. I was a performance major. Oh, cool. Um, got a Bachelor of Arts with a dance minor. So I Where'd started out uh, Purdue University. Okay. So I started out as an actor primarily. And then I did an internship at a wonderful theater called Playhouse on the Square in Memphis, Tennessee. So, and actually Kyle was there too. Where um, are you from originally? Uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, how'd you wind up in Tennessee? So they have uh, annual auditions called UPTA. United okay. Professional Theater Auditions. So generally, people who graduate fresh out of college, they go, they do their audition circuit. Got so it. So this was just one big giant cattle call. So you could go and companies, you know, pay to be there. So there's like a hundred companies, and they get to call back actors and hire them for seasons or for specific jobs. Got it. Okay. So they hired me in, and I was there for about a year and a half, and I re quickly realized I don't want to be a professional performer. So I decided. Why not start a theater company? Because sure, so, you still liked the world. Presumably. Oh, I love the world. Okay. Yeah, I just it, and and I think it's misleading that people don't understand. But to be a professional actor, a real working professional actor, mm -hmm. you have to be willing to travel. You can't really have roots in one place. I mean, a lot of people who work in New York, our friends who work in New York, or live in New York, they work everywhere else. Interesting. They don't actually work in New York. Interesting. Um, because there's so many jobs out there in the regionals. Right. Um, but so those in New York, it's like. Where do I find the most expensive real estate? I'll live there, and then I won't work there. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are there obviously are. No, no. I've lived number, in New York myself. Yeah. There's an incredible number of benefits, regardless of what, uh, regardless of where you're living, how expensive it is to yeah. live in New York. Right. You're yeah. At the center exactly. of the center of it all in a lot of ways. But go on. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. You're from um, Tennessee. Um, so Tennessee, then to a little island in Lake Michigan called Beaver Island. Okay, cool. Um, so we started a theater company there. What was that called? Uh, Emerald Isle Repertory Theater. Okay. Are they still? Uh, no, it's a it's 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 it was quite a journey. So, okay. Um, yeah, <laughs> okay. we'll just. That's a great way we'll to just, put it. We'll just go ahead. And we'll island hop from that. We'll uh, just island hop from that. Adventure. Then, okay. So then I ended up down in Atlanta. Okay. Well, we ended up down in Atlanta. Okay. Um, and Kyle was the You and Kyle. Yes. Okay. How yeah. did you all sync up? Oh, at Memphis, Tennessee. 
Yeah, in Memphis. Okay. Yeah. We were, he Same was a company, company member at Playoffs on the Square. I was an intern at the time. Got um, it. And so we, <laughs> since then, have gone all these different places, including he was the very first intern at Charleston Stage, which is the, 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 large, the largest company here in South Carolina. And okay. They perform out of the dock street. How big are they, Charleston Stage? Well, their budget's probably upwards of $3 million at this okay. point. Okay. Yeah. And but, how many full-time employees do they have? They've got to have 30. At least. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, yeah. At it's least, huge. Yeah. yeah. Julian Wiles has created quite an empire over there. Yeah. Okay. It's fantastic. And I actually worked there for 10 years. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So he was the first intern. He's like, you'll love Charleston. So we came down here, obviously loved Charleston. Um, now, at that point in time, I wasn't in theater. I was, a, I was in uh, media sales. No, okay. no, not media sales, media buying. So I was a, a media buyer for an ad agency. Okay. Um, and we did, Tangers was one of ours, Mannheim Auto Auctions, Auto Trader. So we had all this. So I did radio buying and that sort of stuff. So did then like, I came. What, what, did you enjoy that? Did you oh, not yeah. enjoy that? Okay. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of where I started picking up the business aspect of things. And, sure. Because it all. It all really comes down to numbers, you know, spreadsheets and numbers. That's all, you know, data is what drives businesses mostly. I've learned that. Um, not mostly, obviously. Passion and integrity and all of those wonderful <laughs> sure, things. Sure, sure. But if you don't have the data, you don't have anywhere to go. So, came here. I was a media director for Davis Advertising um, on Broad Street. And then when the recession hit, uh, he closed down his company, and so I went and volunteered um, at Charles' Stage, and I was pretty handy in the shop, you know. Okay. So, like, 08, 09, you're at Charleston yeah, Stage? exactly. Okay. Yeah. And then um, I, the TD had to unexpectedly leave her position, and so they hired me as the technical director. So I built sets for about a year and then moved over to the admin side, and then I was there um, under, you know, as Julian Wiles, executive assistant and then director of administration for... Before I left and joined Footlight. Wow. Wow. And the rest is history, as they say. So, yeah. Kyle, you synced up with Brian, it sounds like, in Tennessee, mm -hmm. right? Right. Um, and then from there, you both, it sounds like maybe there was a way uh, stop in, in Atlanta, mm -hmm. and then eventually wound up in Charleston. That's right. What is your kind of personal professional journey that led you to becoming the artistic director? Um, well, I also was a performance major. At, not at Purdue. I went okay. to Ole Miss. Okay. Um, and uh, I was always aware of Playhouse in the Square, which is in Memphis, which is a very big regional theater c company that lots of actors would aspire to want to be a part of. Sure. Uh, I, was, I'm not from the world by any means. Uh, was in a, a production at the age of eight, forced to be in something. I, I liked it a lot. <laughs> I think I was cat number five in Cats, or, or cat number uh. 305, probably. Uh, but, but, but so all this to say... I. Uh, is it theater in the square? Playhouse in the Playhouse square? Playhouse in the square. Rings a bell. I mean, even yeah. to kind of someone uh, who's a, right. essentially a layman of the of the theater ecosystem. So that's <laughs> that's cool. Are you from the South originally? I'm from South Carolina originally. Okay. Upstate. Spark Got it. Okay. Sparkle City. Okay. Of course. <laughs> okay. And, um, but yes, so I worked as a resident actor before I met Brian there. So that basically means that my full-time job was to be a professional actor in their season of shows. Got it. But one thing that they did require all of their actors to do was to learn one other aspect of the business. Okay. And my chosen aspect was marketing and PR. Uh, so I worked in that department as well as was a member of the, the resident company. And uh, I learned a lot about the administrative side that I liked as well and kind of carry that on with what Brian was talking about to Michigan and then fast forwarding through Brian's story to Charleston, where I was hired as the uh, marketing director for Charleston Ballet Theater. Okay. Which does not exist anymore, but it did when I was here. Okay. <laughs> kind of in the same time frame, a couple of years later, that company closed sort of in the way that where Brian worked had the same issues, the recession and all sure. of that. Uh, and then I got lucky enough to become the executive director of the Charleston Horticultural Society, okay. which I had been for 10 years until um, about six months ago. Uh, while I was doing that, I was also directing and kind of working as the artistic director on the side at Footlight, but now have been able to transition to full-time, which has put me where I am now. Hmm. So it sounds like if you're someone who uh, is dedicated, is committed to tapping into both kind of like the business piece of who you are as well as that 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 corner of you that 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 is artistic that is creative 
um, then you wind up in a lot of different sort of overlapping communities and, and right. ecosystems. I mean, as you're both speaking about all these different groups and places and organizations, it was like I was trying to keep like Venn diagrams in my head and they all turned into just like a big old uh, <laughs> bubble or something. That's I'm not sure. That's how our brains work. <laughs> that's how our brains work too. Yeah. It was very cool though. So uh, to wind up in, I mean, any city is going to offer folks it's not just always organic. I mean, there's obviously people like you all doing the important behind the scenes work of ensuring that this happens, but there's always going to be some sort of cultural artistic offering, or at least that's the presumption, right? Yes. When you're in any sort of metropolitan area in the U S or abroad, Charleston has the additional kind of unique layer of, um, you know, historical import. You come here and the U.S. in general is not, you know, people in Europe scoff at, you know, it's 400 years old. Uh, I live next to a 1,500-year-old building. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> but there's, you know, if you're thinking about the U.S., uh, there's something undeniably unique in how much history we have here. So to be working in a building that's 200 years old is pretty cool, I'd yeah. imagine. What's that like? Well, um, it's incredible. Um, the space is beautiful. Um, and most of the historic aspects have still been obviously maintained. Mm. Um, now over time there's been some renovations, and, sure. you know, new lighting equipment, new sound equipment, that sort of thing. But I feel it, like a big responsibility to have that 200 year old building that you've got to, you probably have to keep that to code and you, but you probably also want to like infuse a little bit of your own vision onto it to a certain extent is correct right? on all fronts. Yes. Okay. So it is, it is a lot. It's a, you know, it's like you said, it's a 200 year old building. So something is always going to go wrong. Um, <laughs> very true. But <laughs> that is why we have wonderful donors and supporters to help us get through those hard times. Um, Can you think of any examples of something that kind of went wrong and you thought of a creative solution and now you're, you're happier having gone through it? Well, almost feels like a college essay question. I mean, I don't mean to be so pointed. I, I'm curious if like, and I'll give you a minute to think about it. It's such a specific scenario that I'm asking you to dig out of the old memory banks. But in your time there, and how long, uh, Brian, have you worked uh, in your capacity? It'll be five years uh, next February. Okay, so in the last five seasons, yeah. season you know 86 through 91 or 85 through 90, whatever it is, has there been a situation where whoa, this is something new. Like I've been in this world of theater and arts production for a while. Um, you know, I've been in the business world to a degree, but this is a unique living here in this historical city in a 200 year old building. Never could have imagined this being a scenario that I've got to like figure out. And then you came up with a solution. Maybe it was good. Maybe it was bad. Maybe it was neutral, but it was like a new experience and you're, you're happier for having had it. Does happen to replace the entire roof of the building in the next couple <laughs> months, Cap? Sure. Yeah. I mean, we're three quarters <laughs> really? of a city block. And so we've gone through so many bids and every time someone gives me a number, I'm like, Hmm, can we just get some tar buckets up here and just lay down a fist? <laughs> right, and we've got, so, we've got a bunch of local businesses who will do that for, for will we'll replace roofs, but I'd imagine when someone comes to your address and they look at this architectural, you know, uh, feat, yeah. which, which is the playhouse, they probably, there's probably some head scratching, some phone calls. Oh, yeah. The windows, oh, my God, they're, the oh, windows yeah. facing the street are... You know, they have to be up to code and also historically accurate, hmm. and that is something that is going to have to be replaced. And that's that's been a challenge for a while too. The window panes have, are literally falling out every day. <laughs> and you can't just replace them. So, right, right. that's part of the struggle, right? You got to make sure that you followed the right historical accuracy of the of the window design. Yeah. From the I'd say in building. answer to your question, all of the things that go into managing a building are new to me. Okay. Um, okay. The responsibility of making sure all the equipment works, you know, make sure all the lights work. Cause every time we, you know, you, you know, you're in a sound studio basically. So mm -hmm. something will go wrong yes. all the time. Count on it. Yes. Count on it. And so being able to solve those problems on the fly is something that was new to me when I took over this position. Exciting. How big is the playhouse? How many seats? Uh, 232. Okay. Yeah. And so you could have a number of, I mean, you could, what sorts of things do you host there? If we've got a business owner listening in or some sort of head of an organization who's like 232, that'd be perfect. A historic playhouse. That sounds awesome. I'd love to do X, Y, or Z. I mean, do you all host retreats? Do you host uh, seminars? Do you host sort of other productions? Walk me through that. So we've sort of done all of that. Um, okay. So primarily we, we, um, people utilize, utilize our space as a performance venue because we have state of, state of the art lighting and sound. And so we have all the equipment that anyone would need oh, cool. to sort of, 
you know, plug and play hopefully sure. when you get in. So, but in addition to that we, you know, we, we host the Italian film festival every year. Right. Um, we host, um, number of kids, uh, arts camps, um, lectures, we, lectures. We've hosted lectures. We've hosted meetings. We've hosted, um, obviously dance groups, graduations, graduations, oh, wow. <laughs> pretty <laughs> much anything you it. can think of. We can host and have. Yeah. Like a high school graduation or college uh, graduation? College. American College of the Building Arts. Oh, very they hold, cool. They do their graduation every ours. year. Great local establishment, yeah. regional Another uh, thing that we've invested in that we will have probably in the next few months is the, the new screen, too. Yeah, so we, uh, the board, when I came on, we decided, because it's a perfect venue for showing you know, movies. You know. Sure. So we, we had a movie screen that was sort of loose, so you had to roll it up and stuff. And then okay. we bought a cinema projector, you know, so we had really good quality. And we just bought a new movie screen that's automated, and you know, press a button, it, press it, a button, it comes it's down, and twenty-two feet wide the, is perfect. Very so cool. wow. we're hoping to do more movies, and obviously, when you know, we host the Italian Film Festival, and hopefully, other other rentals, other people like that, that want to use yeah. want to use that. It, it's really cool that we in Charleston have, you know, at not direct access, but 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 through you all, your your generosity, your expertise, potential access to a space like that, because. I'm thinking back just in, in my own experience uh, years ago in, in college and in undergrad, there was a kind of a historic, I think it was called the Kimball Theater. It's in Williamsburg, Virginia. I went to school in William and Mary. And so uh, to, at William and Mary, you'd walk down the street and right in town there, I mean, there'd be people churning butter and, you know, forging various <laughs> steel objects. And then if you kind of squinted your eyes, you made out this little theater that from the outside, the facade was intended to look like a theater of your, you know, and then you go sure. in and uh, yeah, it's more technologically updated. Like and in fact, that. as you, as you get into the space, you realize, Oh wow, this is outfitted. As you, as you mentioned, Brian, with all of the latest doodads and gadgetries, right? I mean, you've yep. got the sound says the Dolby a million We've point one moving lights. And, yeah, yeah. You've got the lights, yeah. camera yeah. action. And so I remember sitting in there for a performance, uh, not a performance, a screening of uh, Sigur Ross's documentary. It was like their performance two hour wow. piece and the, uh, artistic director, perhaps, uh, Kyle, I'm not sure if that was the the name of this individual, but it was the the individual responsible for bringing this documentary around to many different theaters. And the theater, his one, he was he was hyper focused on the audience experience and wanted to make sure that any theater that screened this had very 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 specific technological audio visual capabilities. And so, believe it or not, this tiny little theater that looked like it was plucked straight out of 1694. I guess had those requirements in yeah. place. In any case, it was an incredible experience and sitting down there, it was maybe 250 seats, kind of reminds me of what you're all describing. Yeah. I thought to myself, what a cool kind of, you know, mishmash of old and new and, you know, watching that was incredible and something you couldn't experience at home. So how, how important is it to be the, the, the guys who provide an experience to people that they can't get at home? We're living in a world where people are focused on their iPads and they're literally or figuratively attached to these little devices and the audio quality leaves something to be desired, right? And they're playing it off of these tiny little speakers, and the screens are they're retina display, but they're really, really small, right? And they're doing it by themselves. Like, how important is it to be this institution that is carrying on the important, distinctly human tradition of bringing people together in the same space to experience something unique in real time and high definition? Well, it's, it's, it's everything that we do. It means the world to us to be able to do that. And like you said, there's so many distractions in this world. You could pop on your phone and watch a film, yeah. uh, but you can't have the same experience in person. Mm. It's not watching a film where they can do 50 different takes before they get it right. It's the immediacy of being on stage, watching something live and knowing that that is the one take you've got mm. and anything can go wrong, which is actually also kind of exciting as an audience member. But to be able to provide something that is so immediate and touches your heart immediately when you're in that space is not something you can really do. And even when you're watching a film with other people in the audience, yeah. it's not the same as sharing that moment with the people on the stage as well. Hmm. It's a real communal experience. And I think that that theater and dance especially are the two that really provide that unique kind of atmosphere. And that's why we do what we do. How can people 
they're, they're listening to you right now, uh, presumably Kyle, and they're thinking, okay, sign me up. Like, I want to go see something at this great spot downtown. Like, how do they get in touch? Who do they get in touch with? How do they buy tickets? Is there a season pass? I mean, walk me through it. Walk the lay person through. Uh, well, the easiest thing to do is obviously to go to our website, okay. which is very clearly just footlightplayers.net. That okay. will give you all the information about all of our shows. We are also very active on uh, Instagram, Facebook. Okay. We always post about all of our shows, and you can link to everything from there as well. Okay, Footlightplayers.net. Uh, footlightplayers.net. And, of course, Footlight Players on Instagram and Facebook. Got so it. we're really easy to find. Got it. And that's going to be your best resource. Is there another Footlight Players out there? They're going to find the Google I, God will I know. I think there what actually is a for. Footlight Players somewhere. I can't well, remember, like Nebraska has, or yeah. something. I'm not someone sure. has the domain FootlightPlayers.com oh, and right. .org. So. Mm, don't patronize those folks. Dot yeah, so definitely .net. It'll be a very long drive. If I keep you do. checking. <laughs> and I keep checking, and hopefully those domains will become available one day. If you guys happen upon it, call me. I know I don't know anything about those other footlight players. I know they are not run by two more gregarious, charismatic guys, and I know they don't li- they don't work out of as cool or as historic a building um, as the footlight players here in Charleston. So if you're just tuning in, this is Small Talks Big Ideas with Steve. I have the uh, incredibly fortunate privilege today to be sitting down with the executive director and the artistic director of uh, of your neighborhood uh, playhouse, the uh, the Queen Street Playhouse right on the peninsula, downtown Charleston. The Footlight Players are the theatrical troupe or company. We'll we'll dig into whether I know what the heck I'm talking about in a minute with the two guys who would know. Uh, But listen, they're the people who are in the playhouse bringing you the tunes, the dancing, the acrobatics, showing you a good time, and all in the sacred tradition of theatrical production. We're here in a historic town. It's really cool that we have a playhouse like the Queen Street Playhouse that depending upon where you live, you might be able to walk to or bike to. Certainly you can drive to probably in 10 to 15 minutes if you're listening right now in 96.3 Ohm FM and you live in the greater Charleston area. So take advantage of that. Check out footlightplayers.net. If you don't know anything about them or about theater or about music or about dance, I promise you, you go check them out. You will be an immediate convert. I can feel the vibes in this space, guys. I want to. I want to go check out a, a performance. What's the next performance you got coming up, or what's the next show that's uh, that's coming at us? It's a good one. I'll let the artistic director talk about it. <laughs> All right. Kyle, what's what, uh, what's coming our way? It is a musical uh, called The Full Monty. Okay. Which if that sounds any, familiar. I bet many people listening will be familiar with the cult British film of the same name. Uh, sure. The British film was transferred to a Broadway musical that takes place, and not in Britain, but in um, Great Britain, but in Buffalo, New York. And it is about six um, unemployed steel mill workers in Buffalo, New York, who are at the end of the rope financially, uh, emotionally, relationship-wise, because they're all unemployed, and their solution is to start a Chippendale-style strip team. Nice. And these are not stripper type guys they don't they sure. look like they work in a steel mill in buffalo new york but they um through through their uh, their hard work they eventually at the end of the show perform what is quite an interesting strip tease and they go at the end the full monty it's one of the most um uh it's one of the most anticipated uh last moments in a musical in broadway history for sure wow and we do it all and that's that's won some Tony Awards, right? The full Monty. It got nominated for ten Tony Awards. Nominated for ten. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and Terrence McNally, the famous playwright, did the book okay. for the um, for the show. So it's got some good uh, lineage. Okay. And the full so, Monty has been on Broadway in the past. Yes. Full Monty no? ran on Broadway about what two thousand three, two thousand four. Okay. I think, yeah. Something like that. Okay. It was a big hit at the time, and um, we were lucky enough to be able to. Produce it as the opening show of our season. What does it take to produce a show that has garnered as much, um, you know, positive criticism, feedback, uh, you know, a following like the Full Monty? I can name a number of shows that have played here or in Columbia, or if you go a little farther afield, you know, Atlanta, DC. How do you adapt a show for, or do you adapt a show as the artistic director at all for an audience that was not the original audience of the original production of the show? 
Well, I wouldn't say that you would adapt. Okay. You want to stay true to okay. what was written sure. um, and the way that it was produced because there's a certain expectation, especially when you're doing a, a musical that is adapted from a film that a lot of people are expecting. Are they going to do this moment? Are they going to do this it. moment? Okay. Uh, but what you, you can certainly put your own spin on it, which I think we do very well. You know, we're not a national touring company. We are not a Broadway company. Mm-hmm. So we have to find what our strengths are as a theater company and how we can take a show like that and play to the strengths that we have, uh, which would be our actors, uh, our musical capabilities here in town. The amount of talent we have in Charleston is extraordinary. Um, our set, uh, our set technical director, which is what Brian was saying he used to do at hmm. uh, Charleston Stage, she's quite remarkable. And she comes in and builds our sets. And this show, some of the unique qualities is we actually have a car on stage in this show. So oh, wow. They have rebuilt a Honda Civic from like 1993 <laughs> cool. and put it on our set. So is it, you know, is it running? Is uh, it no, okay, no. Okay. But it, it, it's... It, You'll, if you come see the show, you'll see what port, point, part it plays in the show. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to get into that. But it's really putting your own spin as opposed sure. to interpreting it as opposed to reinventing Love it. Love it. You know? I want to dig more into, you mentioned the talent, you mentioned the technical director. Um, you know, for the, for the, the business owners, the entrepreneurs, the folks who are in charge of some enterprise of some level out there, they're probably already relating to a good deal of what you both are talking about. Um, and certainly there are folks who are listening in who are just interested to learn more about, you know, a local arts and cultural institution like the, the Queen Street Playhouse. But I do want to dig into the folks that are that are working with and for and alongside you at the Queen Street Playhouse, whether it's the Footlight players themselves or it's the technical director. I'm sure there are other folks doing other really important roles and, and who have really important responsibilities right. where y'all are working. Tell me, walk me through a little bit uh, about who they are, what they do, their import, and how you identify those folks. Do you hire them from here or do you put out job descriptions? I mean, a big issue right now for a lot of our 500 plus local businesses who are our members is hiring and retaining, you know, good staff for the long term and, and, and identifying at, at a good price point, you know, who is going to fulfill this role and, and who's the right person for this job. So I'd imagine hiring for these jobs is is not much different in your world, but but I am curious to learn a little bit about what it's like. Like show me the you know, open the open the hood of the Honda Civic for me and tell me a little <laughs> bit about that. Sure, absolutely. Um, so I think theater is the most collaborative art form there is. It, it, it takes every single person. Every single person is, is immensely important to the process. Mm. Everyone from the board of directors who oversees the company and makes sure the executive director and artistic director are doing their jobs to, like you said, so the TD who builds the set. So we build all of our sets and all of our costumes are all original Wow. We, yeah, for every single show. So. Wow. You know, she just built this set. It'll go up, and in three weeks, she'll tear the whole thing down. Is that unique for a theater your size? Or? Uh, for a theater our size, yeah. Not everyone Not, not everyone, everyone does, does that. Okay. Um, but I think it's fairly important, and I think most theater companies strive for that. Okay. But in addition, so we, we share um, a costume shop with our costume people, um, which is Charleston Costume Design and Rental, or Rental and Design. Um, and they have their own business um, where mm. they design costumes and rent costumes cool. out. Sounds like a local business. Yeah. I've not yeah. heard of them. Oh, yeah. They're great. So they use our space in exchange. They design our shows. Cool. So it's kind of like a barter system Love it. with them. Um, and then, of course, we hire designers. So there's a designer for everything. There's a sound designer who comes in and designs the sound for the shows. There's a lighting designer designs all of the lights. There's a set designer, obviously, who designs what the sets are going to look like. Um, and then it goes down to we have crews. So we have people that are you know backstage running around, mm. moving costumes, putting props in place. Obviously, the actors are vitally important as well. Who's um, hiring the designers? Are the two of you and then they're hiring their crew? Or how does that work? Well, yeah. Ultimately, it falls on the, ex- uh, the artistic director to, okay. to choose his artistic team um, that best fits his vision. Got it. We were very fortunate enough when I took over that. Uh, and this is part of, I think, you know, small businesses, I think they can relate is that it's all about relationships and friendships. Hmm. And if you're, if you approach life in a kind way, you treat people with respect and kindness, they will return the favor. Hmm. And so case in point is I worked with our set designer and lighting designer at Charleston stage many, many, many years ago, and they had since moved on from theater, but I really needed them. And so I called them up and they said, absolutely, we'll do anything for you. Wow. So then they came in and they designed everything and they're, I mean, they're, they're professionals. They were hired in as pros over at Charleston stage. So I think, you know, 
when you talk about hiring, we have maybe an advantage over some other businesses because to work in our career, you have to have an innate passion for it. Mm. So retention is a little bit easier for us because they're obviously there because they love to do it. Sure. As long as you as, as, as a supervisor, as long as you as management treat them with respect and kindness, I think, um, we don't necessarily have a problem with that. Um, Mm. support too, I think is important supporting their work and letting yeah. them know that we have their back hmm. and vice versa too. Exactly. I'd imagine yeah. there's a, an element of prestige to, uh, you apply for a job, you get the job, you don't get the job. Right. And, and I think companies can do, you know, to varying degrees, good or poor jobs of kind of creating what you're talking about with it, which is a culture that says, if you're part of us, you know, and, and, and if we, if we welcome you and we, and we identify and showcase the skills you're bringing us, um, then this is a mutually beneficial experience and you will want to be here because you're proud to be part of what we've created and what you will help us continue to create. That's exactly what we strive to do, yes. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, so so walk me through... Well, I, I don't want to... Speaking more about staffing and retention and, and hiring, I'm, I'm, I'm now curious. It, it occurs to me that one unique difference between sort of like the business world proper and you know, the, the world of theater productions would be, uh, there is a, there's an executive director, there's a board of directors. Yes. I mean, that, 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 that could be connected to, you know, people who hold, you know, stock right. or, or on the board and a regular business, but there's a, there's an executive director and there's a, then there's an artistic director. Is, do you Kyle in your experience feel like you've identified like the business world equivalent of an artistic director or is that a uniquely important role in your world that doesn't maybe exist in the in the business world it sounds like you couldn't just have an executive director right you need this person whose creative unique artistic vision is going to be sort of imprinted on the heart and soul of of what y'all do which is the production yeah i think uh, i would say that a mistake that sometimes businesses maybe the arts world make are having that one person doing both roles mm. and that can become interesting. Yeah. Sometimes your executive director ends up, I mean, even when Brian first started, he had to kind of do everything, hmm. um, as an executive director, but bringing on a secondary person to be artistic director, it's not necessarily a, um, a reinvented role, but in the theater world, it's a necessity sure. because, uh, he keeps everything in that theater running from the, like you said, the bills, the repairs to dealing with, donors and fundraisers. I also repair toilets. And he repairs (laughs) toilets. (laughs) Right. Right. No job too small or too dirty. That's right. For the ED. Um, And I dispose of dead possums from time to time. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Um, But I think, I I guess to answer your question is, in in the theater world, you have to have an artistic director in order to keep the the rhythm of the theater moving. Mm. And not not necessarily having to worry about the business end financially, but at the same time, I have the responsibility of keeping a budget for all of our shows, sure. keeping our production manager and all of our productions meeting the budget that has been created by the executive director in tandem with everyone else. But yeah. you, I really think you have to have those two separate roles to make the theater work. And I don't think there is an equivalent in the regular no. business. Super world. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've got it. You've got no doubt folks who work in and captain kind of the HR arm of the business, right? right? They're worried about the people and sort of the cultural direction um, and makeup of the of, of the of the company or the organization. And, and there are certain certainly folks in the C-suite or the leadership team or part of the founding who have a personal and professional stake in in that level of prestige, right? Or in that, in that feeling that I'm part of an, an important team doing important things. But yeah. I love the idea of there being like an artistic director, maybe at a, at a company or a yeah. business. Uh, there's something inherently artistic about good business, right? I mean, right. I, I've played guitar for 25 years. I've also been with this organization for a number of years. I, you know, went back to school to sort of, you know, examine the intersection of, of, of you know, business with uh, social entrepreneurship and, I'm uniquely and keenly interested in the ways in which 
you know, art and business collide and, and dance and sometimes don't, right? Sometimes work against each other, which is not good. But but having an artistic director or someone who's, you know, interested in the ways in which an organization kind of ebbs and flows with the times and also, uh, you know, carries themselves creatively is and culturally yeah. is kind of important, I mean, kind of interesting. I would say the closest thing would be a PR and marketing hmm. director at a company because sure. they kind of oversee the aesthetic of the message from the company. Interesting. And that's kind of what I do in yeah. a sense, uh, just in a different different aspect. But that's probably the closest equivalent, I would sure. say. I like your idea, though, of an artistic director in companies. I do, too. <laughs> I think what works well... Uh, trade, in, trademarked. What, um. works well in, what works well in theater is that, you know, if you had the executive director making artistic decisions, then the executive director's job is the bottom line. And right, so right. it comes down to, well, we can't do that. I don't have the money. We can't do that. I don't have the money. The artistic director's job is to envision something amazing and wonderful yeah. Yeah. and to convince the executive director that it's worth spending a little extra money. So I think it'd be very persuasive. I think yeah, that's it's why, like good cop, bad cop. I think that's why the two positions exist yeah. um, as separate entities, because it's really hard to say, you know, to say yes to something that's, you know, obviously is going to hurt our bottom line or going to make us have to make it up the money somewhere else. But obviously if the artistic director thinks it's important, we well, got, also, should do it. How yeah, do we, yeah, yeah. Brian's yeah, job also that. is to always make us grow. And my job is what can I come up with to help us grow? Right. Mm -hmm. You know, and mm -hmm. some of the new programs that we're putting in place has kind of helped with that as too. Art artistically, I would say. Yeah. Um, we're adding um, what's called a Sunday night speakeasy. Mm -hmm. We're taking our lobby once a month on a Sunday evening and transforming it into a very, very intimate cabaret space. We have a bar there in the space. Wow. We have everything that we need. We have a a baby grand piano there in oh, the wow. lobby. So we're going to once a month bring top quality talent to our lobby and really make it a really intimate, different space using a different part of our building. Love that. And uh, that's going to be called Sunday Night Speakeasy starting in September. And then um, we're also creating what's called Act Two, which is, like I told you earlier, we have our six main stage shows, which are like our big shows that we do all the season. Sure. Um, this year we're starting what's called Act Two, which is going to run uh, kind of in rep in between those shows, some smaller, more um, adult, quirkier kind of shows and experiences that are off our regular season. Um, we're, Love we're, that. we're incorporating the, 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 the movie screen that Brian's talking about, and we're doing a Rocky Horror Experience. Not the show, showing the movie and having a live band and all of the interactive things that you that come along with the Rocky Horror Show too. Love that. I mean, yeah. totally out of the box thinking. Yeah. Um, yeah. Love the you know the the additional kind of revenue streams, but also the 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 creative you know problem solving around how do we do more than just a play? Right. You know. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. It's uh, it's making use of the venue that we have, the facility that we have. If it sits there, it's not making any money mm -hmm. if we're not using it. Sure. Um, and so from that standpoint, why don't we produce something different or something new, something creative, something that invites in other artists? Like, you know, this Sunday night speakeasy, mm -hmm. there could be other artists that aren't necessarily theater. Right. And they're not necessarily actors. Sure. You know, violinists. Or, sure. You know. How do people find out more about those programs at footlightplayers.net? Same thing. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Uh, folks, if you're just tuning in, this is Steve Fletcher with Small Talks Big Ideas with Steve, I am with the artistic director and the executive director of the Footlight Players at Queen Street Playhouse. They're based right here on the peninsula of Charleston, South Carolina. We're coming at you live from 96.3 Ohm FM, the community-supported radio station right here on Meeting Street in downtown Charleston. We've got about 10 minutes left, guys. Um, want to dial into a few more things. I, I love that y'all carved out some time to be sitting here with me today. I feel like I've learned a lot. I hope people driving uh, to work, uh, hopefully after after lunch, and this is <laughs> the first time they're driving in, uh, uh, have learned something as well. Um, you know, whether you're a business leader here in town, whether you're one of our 500 plus members at Low Country Local First, and you're a local independent business, or whether you're just tuning in, to, uh, trying to learn something new, something new, and trying to meet a neighbor of yours, uh, I feel like this has been a really worthwhile discussion. Uh, in spite of the fact that I'm part of it. In any case, I want to get back to the sort of out-of-the-box thinking when it comes to hosting you know, unique, different events in the space. wanted to, to give a, a, a big old thank you to both of you um, and to Zach Giglio at uh, Giglio Communications yes. and Marketing for yes. 
uh, setting up this local social that we've got going on this Thursday, the 11th, from 5.30 to 7 p.m. at the Queen Street Playhouse. So uh, I've never been, I'm embarrassed to say, excited to kind of step in. I take that back. I think I was there once for a Christmas performance a number of years ago. Um, there was a lot of wassailing going on. <laughs> That's um, definitely before our time. <laughs> okay, this, <laughs> might, have, this yeah. might have been before your time. Uh, <laughs> it was an uh, incredible experience, and looking forward to uh, to getting back there. In any case, this is just something we do every month. It's our monthly member mixer at Low Country Local First. Uh, so our members who have been with us for a number of years know what's up. We give uh, local independent businesses an opportunity to come around and talk to one another, find out ways to more meaningfully uh, engage in B2B interactions with one another. Also, just check out a cool venue that maybe they didn't know existed before and hopefully get to know you all if they don't uh, have existing relationships with you. Um, so thank you for opening up your doors at the Playhouse this Thursday. Absolutely. Looking forward to that. And, and, and of course, thank you, uh, Giglio Communications and Marketing, for making that connection happen as well. Zach Giglio is always there uh, cheerleading us on in the corner. He's a, a really important voice and an important local business leader. We're lucky to have him here in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, we've got a few minutes left. I want to learn about your connections to the low country. So we're, you know, we're big on what tethers us, what anchors us, or, or if there's friction, what is that friction, what it's all about, what's it all about, um, you know, between uh, local business leaders and the place where they've started a business or where they, you know, engage in business. In your cases, you know, you're probably thinking about the low country and Charleston and what makes it unique as a market, as a demographic all the time, I'd imagine, right? You're trying to fill seats up, not with people from, you know, Alaska, but from, you know, with people from James Island or from Broad Street or from Goose Creek. So, and you also are hiring people, probably people from outside the space. It sounds like people are applying or trying to be a part of this, you know, theatrical troupe or production or company. Is it company or troupe? I've messed company. it up. Company. Company. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Troupe, maybe if it's like Shakespearean times. Uh, Hopping around the, this is the forest doing passion plays. plays. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. If it's Jethro Tull or the Globe, then I'd say troupe um, or Star Wars. Uh, okay. Company. Pardon me. So another connection to the business world, right? I'm sure, sure. there's some etymologists would have a field there right now with uh, filling in again all of the voids that I've left here. I've uh, I've got breadcrumbs going off of cliffs right now for people. Uh, I've not done my 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 due research about the uh, overlapping uh, nature of. Well, if it helps you, we are filed as a every nonprofit has to file as a corporation. So we are filed officially with the IRS love as it. a corporation. Love so it. We have love bylaws, it. articles of corporation. Yeah, we have all love of it. Stuff. All the business uh, all lexicon the business and bureaucracy. Beautiful. Um, so talk to me about Charleston. How does it play a part, an important role or unimportant role in your lives personally and professionally? Like what's unique about putting on a production and doing business here in the low country of South Carolina, if anything? I'll go quickly. Uh, just um, having grown up in Indiana, um, Charleston is just the most magical Place. A, for the weather, although this has been unseasonably hot this time. But being so close to the water, being, you know, all the history, all, you know, and um, it's just such a friendly place to live. Yep. You know, every place is dog friendly and, you know, everyone's so happy because it's always sunny. And, <laughs> you know, you walk right. down Broad Street and all these poor tourists are like, oh, we love it here. It's like, yeah, I live here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is kind of nice. But have fun. If you are from Alaska, you are welcome at the company. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right. right. If you're looking for vitamin D and a fantastic yeah. company. But uh, what I, and, and, you know, also it is very much metropolitan for being such a small sort of area. Okay. Mileage wise. Sure. Um, very very rich with arts and culture and everything and and there's so many talented and creative people here in such a small space hmm. which is really nice do you ever partner with those other organizations you mentioned you work with uh, an organization that creates your costumes and you have kind of a cool partnership going on there are there other local businesses or organizations or entities that you you see on a daily basis or you engage in business with? Well, it's sort, of, uh, it's sort of an ongoing. Sure. Um, so we work with Marcus Amaker a lot. Oh, and cool. sort of host his poetry. We did a whole poetry season for a year um, for his open poetry oh, nights. Oh, awesome. And he's, um, I think we're hosting, I'm not sure he hasn't really confirmed yet. I think we're hosting someone coming in for um, that's going to do a poetry night. Very cool. Uh, so our we, marketing director's yeah, husband. Yeah, we, we also, um, we um, 
partnered with Allendale Green. I don't know if you're sure. familiar with Allendale yeah. Green. So they did a, an entire um, uh, band. Yeah. We called it um, a harmony series, and they once a week. Concerts. Yeah. yeah. So concerts. Cool. So um, cool. <clears throat> and we do a lot with other local organizations as well, but it's always ever-changing, so it's an evolving system. There's not one set in place, although we are partnering with Fame, which is a musical theater, sure. which is a, a kids' musical theater camp in Mount Pleasant, and we're calling it Fame at Footlight, so we're letting them host their classes um, at Footlight players at Queen Street Playhouse. Love it. Love yeah. the branding. Uh, Kyle, what about you? Charleston, the low country. I grew up coming here as a That's kid. Right. That's right. Um, and I knew Charleston very well. And um, uh, it was a big part of my family coming here. Cool. And even now, my, my mom comes down here frequently because she loves it so much. And it's just been ingrained into my spirit. Sure. Uh, Charleston itself. It's like but, a homecoming of sorts. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. I mean, even though I, you know, like Brian said, one thing that's really great is where we are in downtown Charleston on Queen Street and right next to that is Philadelphia Alley, which is yep. one of the most photographed Beautiful. streets in the country. Uh, it's really nice to be able to engage with, we get a lot of tourists from all over the country just come in and talk to us and to be able to just brag about Charleston and talk about how unique it is and show it in the building and be able to go down Philadelphia Alley and say, this is, you can't find this anywhere else. It's really nice to be able to share that with people from off. As they say. <laughs> love it. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, folks, um, we're going to wrap things up here, but I would be uh, remiss to not triple, quadruple, click, double, highlight, whatever business jargon you want to insert here. Uh, maybe actually we'll switch to some artistic theatrical jargon and we're going to spotlight this forthcoming information. Ooh, yeah, that's nice. right. I picked up a thing or two. <laughs> August 12th. Is that right? August 12th. Right. I'm looking at my data checker in the corner. That is when the full Monty at Queen Street Playhouse, brought to you by the inimitable Footlight Players, uh, is coming at you. So you got to sign up. You got to get tickets. You got to get on footlightplayers.net now yeah. and find out how you can grab one of those 252 seats in the historic Queen Street Playhouse right on the peninsula of Charleston. Grab some dinner beforehand or afterwards. Grab some drinks. Make sure it's at a local independent business. But be sure to check out this production of the Full Monty. And if you can be there opening night, you get a little bit of that uh, je ne sais quoi, right? A little bit of that first night energy. Yes. Um, but check out the Full Monty. It's, it's, it's happening right here in Charleston. It's going to be a good old scandalous time, I'd imagine, right? <laughs> we love a good scandal, so yes. <laughs> Guys, anything you want to uh, send the good people off with this afternoon here in Charleston on Monday, August 8th? I just want to say thank you, Steve, for having us on, and Ohm Radio, Anytime. of course, and Zach, of course, uh, with uh, GCM, um, our marketing team, and also Low Country Local First. Yes. So all I want to say is do shop local, give money to local organizations and businesses, and support your local people because they're the best. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I'll second that, too. Support your local businesses, and thank you for the exposure and for us to be able to talk to a different audience who may not know a lot about us. So thank you for that. Anytime, anytime. That is what we're here for. It was a real pleasure, privilege to be here with both of you today. Brian Porter, Executive Director, and Kyle Barnett, the Artistic Director at the Queen Street Playhouse. Go check out the Footlight Players. They are the longtime in-residency company at the historic, architecturally interesting, new-roofed, Queen Street Playhouse. Thank you, folks. I'm Steve Fletcher. This is Small Talks Big Ideas, a production, a program of Low Country Local First. I will see you all in a couple weeks. Make sure to go support those local businesses that are important in your life. They're not going to support themselves. I'll see you all soon. Bye. <laughs>